two weeks uh, to be in touch with you and uh, I look forward to one more exciting session with you all. I just wanted to start with a very small one-line joke about the topic that we have, which is on uh, you know, is sympathy is a waste of time. Why sympathy is a waste of time? This one-line joke goes like that. My spouse was very upset that I don't empathize with her. I don't understand. This is the shortest joke that I've ever read, which is very profound. If you look at the backdrop that I have created for this session, you will see there is an outer circle where a person is looking outward. And there is a middle circle, and then there is an inside uh, circle. Really look at the person who is outward, who is outside. Uh, these are the people who typically are apathetic or what you call as a sense of apathy. They don't care anything and uh, they are so self-centered in their own lives. For them that uh, maybe the earth, the sun, the moon, everything revolves around them. Other than them, nothing else matters in their life. And uh, for them, it's a I, me, myself world. And then you have the person who is in the innermost uh, circle that you will find, who is uh, highly empathetic or rather sympathetic. The person really jumps in, offers words of uh, solace and all that. But you will also find that he, the person who is sinking, is sinking in uh, quicksand. And the person who has jumped in out of sympathy is also uh, sort of sinking along with the person who has jumped in earlier or who fell earlier. The person in the middle, what you call the person who has empathy, is able to balance uh, himself or herself and also able to ensure that he is able to get the other person out or at least offer uh, help uh, to the person who is already in the cesspool or the quicksand. If you really look at your own uh, life, let me start with an example and uh, uh, let me explain what I intend conveying through this. Why sympathy is a waste of time. Might look apparently very strong uh, phrase, but that is just to uh, make you more curious about the topic. There's no harm in being sympathetic, but would that help? Once me and my friend were uh, walking on the road, and then we got into a building where we were uh, climbing the stairs. Uh, we were to go up to the fifth floor and as soon as we entered the building, we found out that uh, this happened many years ago, more than 10, 12 years ago. And then we found that uh, there was a power failure and the lift uh, wasn't uh, working. So there were many people who were uh, climbing along with us and we had to go up to the fifth floor. And uh, when we crossed the first floor and second floor and we went to the third floor, my friend was offering a lot of words of sympathy to all those who were coming, oh, it's so bad, it's very difficult, you know, it's just, it's so tough to walk four floors. If you have a breathing problem, heart issue, it's difficult and all that. And then as soon as I went to the third floor, I recalled that I had seen a door which was uh, not fully shut in the first floor. So immediately I understood that this was uh, causing the lift not to function. I quickly walked, uh, I told my friend to carry on. I quickly came down to the first floor, shut the door, and the lift started working. I silently went up. And uh, surprisingly, many of the people uh, were actually praising my friend for the words of uh, sympathy that he had uh, given. 
whereas the actual job had been done by me where uh, I had uh, ensured that I remembered that there was a door which I had seen which was open and I went and actually shut it so that the lift started working. When I went to the fifth floor when I was sitting along with my friend uh, to meet someone there, my mind was actually processing what had happened. I found out that uh, the world to a great extent uh, loves uh, people who offer sympathy. No harm in that. Whereas the real job many times is done by people who empathize. Actually, if you really look at uh, the word empathy, the etymology, it uh, comes from a Greek word, which is almost like thousand years ago, which means someone who suffers along with you, meaning the root of the word, which is the person who feels for you is also another uh, word. There's a huge difference between the two. Let's uh, look at a practical uh, life situation. When you are going in a high sea, maybe towards the North Pole or somewhere where there are a lot of icebergs uh, which float around, those who have seen the movie Titanic would be familiar with that. You'll find uh, that uh, the biggest challenge in crossing an iceberg is not locating the iceberg, but is in circumventing it in such a way that you don't actually get trapped by the depth of what the iceberg is about. Because what you see in an iceberg is only about 5 to 10% uh, on the surface. The rest 90% is actually below and which is what actually makes the iceberg really strong. People who are very familiar with uh, shipping or would have seen the movies, you will know that the captain quickly calculates the size of the iceberg, uh, the dimensions of how the typically icebergs are considered to be like a pyramid, which means it, it sort of extends, it goes like that. So he quickly does a calculation to find uh, what he has to do. If it's a very, very small one, the ship takes it head on, crushes and keeps uh, going. Otherwise he has to really navigate it in such a way that he ensures there is enough space uh, given before he crosses the iceberg with a, with a gap which is sufficient enough not for the ship to get uh, drowned or tripped the way it happened to Titanic. The same is true in our life also. Sympathy is just about say 5 to 10 percent of what our life is. Absolutely sympathy is essential because sympathy is something what we call as uh, behavior. In any real world People only see the behavior. If I smile, if I frown, if I give you a shake hand, if I give you a warm, affectionate pat on the back, all these are things that you can actually see. But what triggers it is what we call as an attitude. An attitude is like the 90% of the iceberg which is sunk below the surface of the water. And this is actually what gives the strength to the sympathy which is outside. If the iceberg is completely sunk below the water, that nobody would ever uh, see it. So there has to be a little bit which surfaces above. When I was actually looking back at the example which I shared with you, which happened uh, between me and my friend when we were walking up that uh, five uh, floors, this is a comparison which ran in mind. I should have shown a little bit of sympathy and also gone ahead and done what I did. Which means I really understood the feeling of the people who had to uh, go up the stairs. I was looking at how to actually make them uh, get through this without any major issues. Yet, I did not display it externally. This is where many people actually, there are many people who are 90% sympathetic or even 100% sympathetic. Whenever you are tripping or falling, they'll stand next to you, offer a word of comfort, touch, pat you on the back, 
but they will not even lift you up or give a hand or maybe offer first aid and things like that. When it really comes to uh, real life, the difference uh, between behavior and attitude is exactly the difference uh, between sympathy and uh, empathy. Uh, sympathy is essential because sympathy is what allows the other people, other person, whoever is in that transaction, for them to know that uh, the person really has seen what is happening to me. But for that to happen, the corresponding empathy or the values, as they say, which is encoded in your attitude, needs to be there for you because you can't keep on faking uh, external behaviors uh, for too long. Initially, it's okay. But as you go along, it is just not about uh, faking the uh, transaction. It is about making the real true inner change. For example, sympathy could be a word of uh, or a pat on the back. But uh, true empathy is when I actually care people, actually want to listen to people, want to understand how the other person feels. I connect heart to heart, as we say in heartfulness, it's all about heart to heart connection. How we are able to connect heart to heart to instantly feel what the other person is going through. One look, the way a mother uh, looks at a child, she instantly knows what the child wants. Highest level of uh, empathy. If you are able to, in fact, there is a better step than empathy, as they say, is when you are looking at uh, what is called as uh, compassion. And even there, another extreme is what is called as a radical compassion. It may be too much for anyone to expect in the corporate world to have compassion or radical compassion. But empathy is something that is extremely essential for you to build interpersonal relationships. If you are a leader, if you have anybody working along with you as your colleagues, peers, or those who report to you on a frequent basis, unless you really understand if the other person's feelings has been completely understood by you. For example, even when it comes to communication in day-to-day uh, -day life, it is something that I share in all my leadership sessions. So 90% of what is communicated is only about feelings and how the other person actually feels. If a person speaks for about half an hour, for example, they have gone through a very tough issue and they're sharing a real life issue or maybe a project related issue, you will invariably find that what they're sharing is more out of their frustration, their anxiety, their uh, other feelings, which is making them feel, maybe they're feeling miserable or they're feeling let down, whatever it may be. It is what they're communicating. The rest 10% is what actually what we call is uh, data or inputs. This happened or that project did not take off. You could only complete 5%. All these are data. Finally, that person is actually coming and pouring his heart out because normally when people communicate, when they communicate normally one, when they are in some kind of an issue or some kind of a problem or some kind of a challenge. Otherwise, normally who would go and uh, you know, talk for 45 minutes to convey about their happiness? You would enjoy. But when you are sad, when you are let down, is when actually you go out and want to share it with someone who's very close. And even in your personal life, imagine, when would you really choose someone to go and talk to? If you have two friends, one of them only offers lip service, at some point of time you would have found out. The other person, other friend is very quiet, but he listens to you completely. He is able to completely empathize how you feel, what you feel. Who would you go to when you have a distress or when you have something serious to share or discuss? You will go to the person 
where you know for sure empathy is guaranteed. A recent research shows that uh, predominantly when people go and share a problem of theirs to somebody else, it is said that 90% of the time, they're actually not expecting a solution. They just want someone who would listen, who would care, who would go to the core of the issue and find out what is it that makes me feel let down or what, what is it which makes me feel bad and things like that. Hence, if you really look at it, uh, though sympathy is good to start with, if you only stick to the level of a sympathy throughout your transaction, at some point of time, you'll be coming through as a very shallow leader or a shallow teammate or a very shallow person. People will say, no, don't go and talk to him or her. Yeah, he will he'll just uh, offer lip service. They'll just you know, listen, act, whatever. Maybe you don't know what to do. Hence, it is essential that we learn to differentiate between uh, the wheat and the chaff, as they say, between empathy and sympathy. We need to know the fundamental difference, what it is. And having now said, what is the fundamental difference? I just want you to think to find what actually matters more to you. The world sees behavior, but you see yourself. Would you want to keep on talking to people and sort of faking it? Or would you like to have the building blocks inside of you, which makes a person of empathy? And when you are having that empathy, if you learn to put the corresponding words and uh, sympathy outside, people will connect with you instantly. All it needs is for you to listen. Listen where you don't have to necessarily prove that you are listening to the person by just patting on the back or giving a word of solace. All that would help. But truly getting into find what is it that is causing distress to this person. That's why they say listening is all about empathy. One or two word of uh, you know, sort of a sympathy is all right. But if you're only going to do that all the time without getting into what the other person is sharing, it really becomes uh, in a way a waste of time. And imagine a person who has not been listened to would have more challenges with you and your relationships uh, than he ever had before he started talking to you. Let's look at how to build both. Uh, for that, I want you to move into what we call as an emotional intelligence model. Emotional intelligence model is about first understanding yourself and then understanding others. And through this process, build a way in which you will be able to empathize and bring in the corresponding sympathy factor in all your relationships, where you'll be seen as a person who is perfectly balanced inside and outside. And this is what meditation also in some way teaches. By stilling your mind, by calming your mind, by suspending prejudice, which is essential for listening, by keeping your baggages out when you're talking to someone, we all have baggages. Some are aware, many are not aware. Even those who are aware, sometimes they're unable to get rid of the baggages that they have, which comes from their past habits, past uh, experiences, their interactions with their family members, society from the time they have been brought up. They're conditioned. And it's extremely difficult to see pure light through a prism of multicolored uh, glasses that we all hold. Yet, the first step is for you to understand yourself and then move on to understanding others. There are three steps in emotional intelligence, which helps you what we call as understanding yourself. The first thing we call is being self-aware. Self-awareness is when, whenever you have uh, the easiest way rather to create self-awareness is whenever you have a mood swing, whenever you are upset, whenever you are angry, whenever you are 
feeling let down, whenever you're feeling dejected, whenever there is a sense of uh, despair or a gloom, look at yourself to find uh, what are the critical emotions that have been triggered and why they have been triggered and what kind of situations have these emotions been triggered by the corresponding party or the situation. This is something which will be extremely useful and the best way to do it is to keep a journal. I always uh, do that for quite some time, specifically as part of my spiritual practices to write a journal on a day-to-day -day basis. Important events, important situations when I went through issues, predominantly how I came out of it, what did I do? And when I really look back at all those journals, which is what has helped me to write uh, several of my uh, books. In fact, my 11th book is about to come out in the next one or two months called uh, The Spiritual uh, CEO. All these have helped me to understand myself to a great extent. When do I get angry? What are the situations which triggers? What triggers anger in you may not trigger anger in someone else. Because your basic building blocks, which are your attitudes, is what actually through which you are seeing the prism of life. And that is what actually helps you or makes you to either regulate your anger or burst out when someone makes you angry. And this is something that you need to understand. And the first step in this journey of emotional intelligence, which will help you to balance empathy and sympathy, is for you to be self-aware. When do I get angry? What, what kind of uh, response from a person makes me angry? When people do certain things, I know for sure it puts me off. I need to journal all of them, write them, because this is the first step in understanding yourself in this journey of balancing inside out. You can also, whenever you are triggered, they always say that the, the best way is uh, pause and postpone, or slow down at least. Because normally whatever happens outside of us is what we call as a trigger. A trigger is nothing but a stimulus. A stimulus is normally something presented by the world, by nature, by my friends, by society, to see how I respond in a situation. Do I react or do I respond? Sympathy is more of a reaction. When I go into a self-inflicted mood, I start really you know, berating and uh, telling myself that, oh, why did this happen to me? Sympathy is just not outward. Sympathy is also for yourself. When you move into a self-sympathy uh, mode, they say that the uh, shortest form of uh, suicide is called a self-pity. When you move from self-sympathy to self-pity, oh, why the world is so bad, why it's happening to me and all that, the best time is uh, to shut shop, as they say, you know, don't talk, just introspect. Give a pause. The world can wait. The world will wait. The world has been waiting for billions of years. Nothing will change in just one minute if you don't email, whether it's an email, whether it's a WhatsApp, whether it's a phone call, whether the person in front of you who is creating the stress for you. The best thing is not to react. Take it as a stimulus and learn from it and write down by pausing, why am I getting upset? Even when someone in a team meeting, just ask for a time or I just need two minutes to think about it. Nobody can say, no, why do you need two minutes? And by the time they finish talking for that, that would have been much longer. And that will give you time for you to look at your own building blocks. What is causing this, triggering this reaction in me? How do I convert this reaction into a response? So these are all the steps in self-awareness. If you do it consistently for about a month or two months, you will get a complete understanding. It's like a body scan. 
or rather emotional scan you can say you you would only have about predominant five to ten emotions for each human being there are hundreds of emotions but what is predominant in you will be about five to ten or so and once you're able to prioritize and say in these kind of situations is what when I get triggered then you move to what is known as self-regulation now having understood what triggers you having understood what makes you tense makes you angry makes you let down makes you move into an emotional turmoil situation you now move into a stage of self-regulation and this is possible only if you know what your values are what will you stand up for there's no point in standing up for everything and anything there are situations which are just not worth reacting for example you are traveling in a two-wheeler and somebody is sitting in a bus say for example they just spit it's an accident i mean i don't think a person who's traveling in the bus has pre-planted one week ahead that i will travel by bus on this day morning and so and so gentleman will travel in a two-wheeler when he comes near he'll exactly turn and spit on his face it's not like that there are certain things okay it is an accident at that moment you might get worked up it's it's quite uh, human i mean grief and uh, instant anger are uh, quite human but just overcome and just uh, give it a pause you just think oh why did this person do he surely doesn't know me before there is no enmity there is no pre-planned uh, you know sort of a vendetta that he was executing unless of course you can prove uh, normally in this kind of situation if you understand what your values are what you will stand up for all of us can easily come down to about three four five major values for example i stand up for trust i'll stand up for respect I'll stand up for uh, someone who would uh, really you know, love or care for me. I have about say four five values. Once I know the values for which I'll stand up for, the rest of the emotions are like wastewater. It's better to let it off instead of collecting it in a pond, which is a pure water and spoiling the pure water that you have. So self-regulation, if you know your values and if you know what are your triggers, it's like a filtering mechanism. I put it through the self-regulation filtering mechanism. It tells me whether it conforms to my values or goes against my values. If these are the values I need to stand up for, what I do is I do whatever is essential, which you will go through and find out. But otherwise, I just let it go. And self-regulation also means you are accountable for the emotions that you display. Please be uh, bear in mind that you can't afford to keep on uh, you know, throwing out your emotions everywhere and not be accountable for it because we are equally culpable when we trigger the reaction in someone else by getting angry. For example, one of your teammate, your friend or family member, they come and talk to you. Out of some other frustration, you shout at them. What happens to them as a chain reaction? You are accountable. And the sense of accountability brings self-regulation. That's why they say, uh, you know, an unspoken word is what you are a master of. The moment you have spoken something, you are no more a master of that word. And that word will trigger emotions and reactions in people. If you know you are accountable for the emotions that you throw around, to a great extent, self-regulation becomes possible. And of course, practicing being calm, which is something meditation teaches you through the process of spot meditation, spot cleaning, and etc. is something which will help you to self-regulate a lot. A person who is self-aware, a person who is able to self-regulate, then remains what is known as self-motivated. 
Self-motivated for what? Self-motivated to maintain the best of relationship with all the people who matter. Outside of the circle of people who don't matter, anyway, there's no point in wasting my time. I have about 50 to 100 people, for example, who matter to me in my personal, social and professional life. With these people, I'll be completely aware, okay, Mr. X is coming. These are his typical ways in which he will uh, react or pour his heart out. I'm aware and I'm going to regulate. And self-motivation helps you to remain on a high irrespective of what the situation is. Because as they say, emotion is nothing but energy in motion. It depends on how you convert that energy. It's up to you. We all have the faculties which will help us to actually channelize these emotions to our advantage. If you are self-motivated, it is extremely easy for you to channelize this energy by being aware of uh, what is happening to you, by regulating those uh, energies into positive uh, outlets, and then remaining self-motivated. People who are self-motivated also help motivate others. Because when they talk to you, you are, you see, whenever anything happens in communication, the idea is to connect, listen to them, and see how we can uh, look at the values that both of you both of you stand for, and then move to a resolution at some point of time. That's all it needs. And 90% uh, of the time, uh, people come to you, they come to you with uh, deep uh, feelings. And if I know each of my colleague, my family member, and uh, my social contacts well, I know what are the feelings and values that they stand for. It's not going to take too long for me to make a list of all these steps. And if I have mastered sufficiently the steps of self-awareness, self-regulation, and self-motivation, then I move into the external aspect of uh, emotional intelligence. The first is something what I mentioned earlier are the personal skills of first managing myself, managing my emotions, channeling my emotions. By channeling my emotions, Converting that emotion as an energy emotion and making it a positive one, I remain highly motivated. But when I do that, it becomes easy for me to shift the prism and look at the other person in what is called as empathy. As I mentioned in the beginning, empathy as a Greek word etymology stands for understanding the other person's suffering, the way he would understand. For each person, their suffering is of the highest order. If I am able to understand that suffering, for that, I need to first understand my own suffering. What puts me off? What makes me angry? What makes me upset? What makes me anxious? If I'm able to do that, if I learn how to channel it, if I learn how to not lose my emotions and cool and still remain motivated under all, if not all, at least majority of circumstances, it helps me to put myself in somebody else's position. Very simply put, looking at the body language, looking at the eye contact, and getting a pulse of the feelings will help you to understand uh, other person's uh, feelings to a great extent. Okay, uh, I look at myself in this situation, this is how I would have felt because I already understood about myself through the process. I've understood. And now I'm just shifting the prism and looking at the other person, empathy. I'm able to look at him as if I'm looking at myself. And then I'm able to instantly understand over a period of time through practice, this will come. Okay, maybe this is what is causing pain.
how to regulate them motivated and through that like a mirror conscious person as to what they are if you really look at the complete uh, prism one of the best way to be aware is when you meditate and look within yourself and if you're able to understand what are your predominant emotions and feelings and regulation is what you get to learn through the process of meditation where you're able to regulate where you're able to see if there are any emotions that immediately instantly erupt and then through the process of channelizing that energy which is what the situation is about able to empathize with the other person because each are human beings and there are only a set of feelings and emotions we all have the permutation combinations may change from person to person and once you are able to do that you become a master of social skills or interpersonal skills today in this world technology or technical skills is something which is available in plenty you will also know that anybody who is put to a rigor of technical education will be able to get that kind of uh, knowledge what you have and adding experience to that will make them an expert in that domain but how many of us are capable leaders because we are dealing with flesh and bone and feeling and emotions and heart this is something which is uh, today essential and hence why i started with the teaser rather why sympathy is such a waste of time there is a lot that we all can uh, do in uh, regulating ourselves because the world needs a lot of uh, listeners the world needs a lot of people who offer empathy because everyone seems to have a problem and very few people are uh, capable of uh, really listening so welcome to the world uh, of uh, taking charge of yourself i pause here and then hand it over back to patta if there are any further questions on this session thank you thanks for the opportunity